I know it says uh, Psalm 1 is our primary passage, and it is, but we're going to end with it today instead of start with it. So if you want to take a Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 45, uh, I would appreciate that. Isaiah chapter 45, and we'll get into the Word here in a few minutes. Welcome. Good morning. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here and glad you made it. Uh, it's, it's always a blessing to, uh, to come and be a part of gathering together as the body. Um, we, had a, we had a class 101 session yesterday, great class by the way, I had a lot of fun uh, just discussing through some things and just really the importance we talked about uh, quite a bit and, and those students in the class talked about the importance, uh, the felt importance, importance in their life of gathering together on Sunday mornings and then even more than that, sometime midweek getting together and making it a priority to, to grow in your faith and to, to be around other believers and to be encouraged and supported and um, I, I was amazed at how many folks in the class agreed that one time a week is really not enough. One time a week is really not enough. So um, I would encourage you, as Alistair came and, and uh, shared with you our Wednesday night plan, that, that's, that's a, a, a thing we decided that is important for our church body. So if you're, if you're like, ah, it's, it's one of those buffet options, that's not what it is. It's like that's what we're serving. And, and we, our hope is that if you have time, like, and you can make the time to come and be a part of that, whether it's in Bible study uh, or you're serving at Team Kid. I know we could probably use more helpers in our, in our children's ministry um, or just participating in one of the three Bible studies that's going to be going on that night. You know, the, the, one of the fears, this, this was the wrong direction fear, right? The fear is, man, we, we've always had one Bible study on, on uh, Wednesday nights right here in the sanctuary, and it's, it started small and it's kind of grown. There's like 15, 20 people maybe show up, and that's, well, it's like, oh, that's good. And to add two more Bible studies is like, uh-oh, we're going to take all those people and just disperse them into three groups. That is not proper growth, right? That's not the way we want to see that done. Uh, we, want, we want you to know, like, the, if you're needing to talk about faith and family issues, there's a Bible study for you to come and talk and be taught and, and discuss those things with other believers. Um, if, if you have, like, I've not been in a women's Bible study because it's during the day most of the time, and now there's a women's Bible study in the evening time on a Wednesday night going through the New Testament. What an awesome opportunity for you uh, who may not have been coming before because it was mostly co-ed stuff going on. Women's Bible study happening. Um, the book of James, what an important book. I mean, I know I get it if you don't want to come to the book of James because it's going to be really convicting, right? But it's a, it's a great book to study and, and an encouragement to our soul. So I would, I would just, I'm putting that out there. Wednesday night should be one of those things that we, we say it's important. And, and now we have added dinner back in on Wednesday nights, right? So at five o'clock, you can come sit at a table with other believers, share that fellowship, break bread together, encourage one another, Get to know and, and be a part of each other's lives. What great fellowship that is, right? There's community being built there. So there's something for everybody on Wednesday night. We encourage you to come be a part of that. Please please consider making that a priority. And maybe today, through uh, the, by the time we're done with the message, you'll be like, oh, I, yeah, I do need to make that a priority. That's maybe one of the ways uh, that you could conquer and have more truth in your life, all right? So we are uh, kind of finishing up the last of four sermons uh, in the start of our series designed, then deceived. So uh, we've been going through some big topics, haven't, haven't we? I, I'm continually blessed that we continue to show up here on Sunday morning for more. Um, we started off, maybe you're, maybe you're new or haven't been here, or maybe you've missed the first couple of them, and that's, I get it then. Uh, but we have talked about uh, biblical view of gender. We have talked about the biblical view of sexuality. Uh, last week, we talked about the biblical view of, of the value of human life. And today, we're talking about the biblical view of of truth. What is its design and where has it come from and, and what are we to embrace? So uh, if you have not 
where we're not part of those messages or those times, uh, all of our content is always available to you on either our YouTube channel, you can watch it, uh, or if you're just out and about, you can, uh, on all of the platforms that have podcasts, you can go and uh, subscribe to, uh, to those and download those to your phone. I, I do that a lot if I'm going in an area with no service or on a road trip. I love uh, downloading them ahead of time so I can listen to them, but just catch up. I'd encourage you to catch up, uh, to be encouraged by those. And, and more than that, like, it's not like it's what the information we need to pass and indoctrinate you with, right? It's, it's, we want to spur you on towards love and good deeds. We want to pre- preach the word of God to you. And, and should questions come up, and I really hope they do, should questions come up, please, please have conversations. Ask those questions. Call, call the office and say, I need to schedule an appointment with a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, someone to, to help me with this. Help me understand this a little more clearly. We want to do that. We, I also understand that uh, in, in the time we have together on a Sunday morning, it, it all can't be said, nor should, nor should it all be said, right? So, but we want those follow-up conversations. So uh, maybe you've been stirring in your heart. Something's been like, you've been questioning biblical gender or biblical sexuality. Or last week, we talked about the value of human life. Some things came up in your mind, like, what, what do I do with this? Please ask those questions. Feel free to do that. Maybe it's after a church service or before or sometime during the middle of the week, okay? Today, again, we are looking at uh, biblical truth and, uh, and God's design of truth in our lives. In some way, there was a design, and then there was a deception, and we're going to look at how we uh, come from the deception uh, into the depravity of truth in our culture. And then from that, what's the deliverance look like? What, what can we do to be delivered and have real truth, okay? I'm going to pray for us, and we'll get into our text and, uh, and break it apart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we come to you today thankful for who you are. And God, it's, it's such a refreshing time to come together as the body of Christ, the family of God in unity. God, to look to our left and right or behind us or in front of us, God, and see others who have come here, God, even, even if it's uh, for a little different reasons, God, we, we came here, though, with a desire to pursue you more deeply. And God, uh, many of us came with, with a passion and desire to be united in the gospel and to be united in our, in our worship and our exaltation of Christ. So God, we thank you for that, that time of, of refreshment as we, as we praise you, as we worship you, as we sing, God, with one voice, the church, to our great, great and glorious God. God, now as we look to your word, our, our prayer is that God, you would humble us. God, you would, you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your, your word and to your truth. God, use your spirit today as your spirit comes to convict us of sin. Remind us that we are not the center of the universe, Lord. Remind us of, of uh, the need to set that aside and to pursue you more fully, more deeply. God, we want to be shaped and formed and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We want to look more and more like him. He's the Savior. He's He's our, our example, our role model. Help us today, Lord. We thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in, in Isaiah chapter 45, and I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. By the way, it's a great chapter. You can go home and read it on your own. I, I cut most of it out so we didn't have to read it all together. But there's one part here we're going to start with in verse 18 and then 19. This is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, the God who formed the earth and made it, the one who established it. He did not create it to be a wasteland, but formed it into be, to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret somewhere in a land of darkness. I did not say to the descendants of Jacob, seek me in a wasteland. I am the Lord who speaks righteously, who declares what is right? This is the word of God 
So as we look at uh, the first part of our sermon, again, we've gone through this part of the sermon with, with all of our sermons, right? The design, then the deception, the depravity, and the deliverance. And we'll do that again today. So we're looking at number one, God's design regarding truth. What is God's design regarding truth? Well, the first part we see as we look through that passage of Isaiah, it's in verse 19, right? Uh, I have not spoken in secret somewhere in the land of darkness. I did not say that the descendants of Jacob seek me in a wasteland. I am the Lord who speaks righteously, who declares what is right. So if I was to ask a question, who declares what is right? The answer is God Almighty declares what is right. And it kind of likens back to our previous sermons, right? Uh, the first part of that passage I read in verse 18, for this is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God who formed the earth and made it, the one who established it, I am the Lord and there's no other. Sounds a lot like Genesis 1-1, doesn't it? In the beginning, God, God created the heavens and the earth. So this all starts with God and, and, and we need to be make sure we're, that's true in our own heart, in our own lives. That, that anything we come to see as designed by God, we should ask God, what do you think? Or like last week, how do you see the value of human life, God? And we saw that he saw us as before we were formed in our mother's womb. He saw us. We were people before then. Today he says, I am the Lord who speaks righteously and I declare what is right. Now, that, that's great, but here's, there's a response to this. All of the world responds to that. And some people maybe haven't heard it so blatantly like, oh, that's, God says I declare what's right. God shows that and reveals that to us through his, his, uh, his creation and through the Word of God. But there's two responses. One, we can reject. Like, yeah, thanks for declaring what is right, but I don't buy it. I'm not sure. I, th- I don't know if you're as timeless as you say you are, God. I don't know if your Word is as pure as you think it is, God. And, and we don't even say it like that, do we? Because to say it like that kind of sounds like, oh, I, I'm coming up against God here. I don't want to say those kinds of things. But that, that's what we do. We reject the notion that God declares what is right. A majority of our problems in our lives would be solved if we went back and said, God, what do you want me to do? And we did that. What is your way? I'll do that. In fact, it's, it can be argued that, and it, it's been proven, that, that people who aren't even believers or followers of Jesus, who just go to the Word of God and follow its life's basic principles, their life goes pretty good. Because he has it pretty ironed out. God, after all, designed it. And so if you follow those principles as a guidance in life, you'll probably do pretty well. You may not know Jesus Christ as Savior and die still in your sin, but your life will have been at least a little bit better than people who reject truth. But we have to come to that notion that says, I'm not going to reject I'm not going to reject God. I'm not going to re- reject the God of the universe who created it all, and me too, when he says, I'm the Lord who declares what is right. There should be a, another, the other response should be a reverent fear and an awe, and a humility within us. And that will lead us to truth. Isn't that the truth, though? I want you to think about, uh, and we'll talk about it in a while, all of the information we have coming at us. All of the things that are in this life that are coming at us full speed ahead, just just pouring into our brains, trying to pit us against other people and and, and prove that their position is right or better. I, I made the mistake of watching too much news this week. You know what I came away with oftentimes? Is I, I, this question like, don't people actually want to have a conversation anymore? All we do is just spout our side and stay firm in it, and the other person spouts their side, and, and there's no, no desire to actually, hey, let's, 
let's talk about what's really going on. Let's talk about what really benefits Americans or what doesn't benefit America. Let's, let's have a conversation. And maybe it's all theater in, in the news and that's what they want us to see. And maybe behind closed doors, they're having those conversations. I don't know. I don't see them. But what I do know is that in, when we decide to have a real conversation, what we've decided is I, I actually am going to humble myself, set my desires aside for a moment, and actually be open to listening and hearing a different point of view. Now, when we decide to do that with God, yeah, you have done well. Because when you decide to set your point of view aside and your, your own preferences aside and say, God, I guess I'll, I, I suppose if you twist my arm, I'll set that aside and I'll listen humbly to your point of view, uh, you're going you're gonna to do well. Because it's God. It's not just the person across the aisle or your neighbor or your parents or your kids trying to convince you of something. It's, it's the God of the universe who created you and who loves you. And, it wants, and wants to speak to you and reveal himself. It, it, he's, not, he's not here to be a mystery. He's not here for you to seek in, in the desert blindly, like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, I'm here, I'm God. I'm the one who speaks righteously, who declares what is right. So it should lead us to a fear, a proper fear and reverence in the Lord, a humility. Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. There it is. Do you want to you fear the Lord and humility, or do you want to be proud and, and be be a fool who despises wisdom and discipline. So we see that it's God that declares truth. That's the first part of God's design. He declares it. Then we see the next part of who it is personified. Uh, John 1, 14, John writes this. He says, The Word, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelled among us, and we observed His glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So not only did God declare what is true, God sent His Son who is the embodiment of truth. In fact, John 14, 6 says what? I am the, Jesus stating this, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like there's no other channels, no other places to go. I am the truth. So man, yielding our heart to God's declaration of the truth in the person of Jesus Christ is super important. We also see that not only does God declare truth and it's, it, it is Jesus Christ, it is also found in God's Word. Jesus prayed this in his high priestly prayer in John 17. He prayed to the Father. He said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. So we are to be sanctified or set apart, made special and unique, protected and guarded. You know, when I, when I build a fence around my yard for my children, I'm sanctifying them from the world. I'm pulling them, setting them apart, saying this is what's safe and right and perfect and pure-ish because I'm flawed. But God does it perfectly. And Jesus says, God, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Or by the truth, your word is truth. So it's his word. And, and if it's word, the, the, the writer of Proverbs gives us a, a, some wise counsel. It says, buy and do not sell truth. If it's that valuable, if it's from God and personified in Jesus Christ, we ought to go after it like a treasure that it is. It should be a precious, sought-after treasure. Buy and do not sell truth. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Those are things we should run after, humbly seeking them from the Lord through Jesus Christ and His Word. Hoyt read this earlier in Psalm 19 about the Word of God. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hint on all of the things, the adjectives that describe God's Word and God's truth, okay? His instruction is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commands of the Lord are are radiant. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable. They are altogether righteous. 
They are sweeter or they are more desirable than gold. They are sweeter than honey. By them we are warned. And through them there is an abundant reward. People, people all the time claim they have truth, but if, if perfect, trustworthy, all, all together righteous and radiant and reliable, more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey, and warned and you have a reward, if you aren't living that or you aren't experiencing that, you better question what truth you really have. Because it is not satisfying the depths of your soul. And it is not speaking to your life. God's word is where we find truth. That's the design. It's declared by God through the Son, Jesus Christ, and found in His Word for us to live with reward and satisfaction in them. Well, what's the deception look like? Oh, the deception. Oh, man. One of these days, I, you know, after my sabbatical, I came back and I said I was going to do a sermon eventually regarding rest and Sabbath, and I will. And um, I was, I've been reading a book. I uh, can't remember the title of it. What's the title of it, Chase? The Relentless, Relentless Emanation of Hurry? The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I'm really talking about Sabbath and, and just the notions of, of rest and, and being distracted and overwhelmed with busyness, right? How, how many of us, when someone says, hey, how you doing? Your answer is, I'm busy. That's the go-to, right? Or maybe it's you lie and you say, I'm fine. I'm fine, right? If you're going to ask, I mean, let's pull it out. Like, really? How, how are you? You want to have that. Like, are you doing good? Um, but a lot of times we're too busy. So if we're looking at the deception, the first part of our deception it's just distraction. It's distraction. I'm going to read a, a passage out of Luke 10. This is Jesus, and he's entering uh, to the village, and, and this is going to Mary and Martha's house, right? And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, right? And she had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Remember the story? Mary and Martha, right? But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Like, that sounds like something going on in my home, right? We're like, there's things to do. Why don't you come help me, right? That's, those are the questions that come up. What did Jesus say? Martha, Martha, Martha. Not just you, Marthas. Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. I, I, get, I get the idea of I want to make my home hospitable. I want to be able to welcome people. I want them to feel comfortable. They can have a lazy boy, and it smells like pumpkin spice because it's the season. But man, when, when, when you host a friend or a family member, stop being host once they get there. Like, stop preparing that you should be prepared to sit in relationship to be eyeball to eyeball and enjoy each other's company now this this is going deeper than that we're talking about the lord jesus christ in their midst himself and martha is worried that her sister is sitting at the feet of jesus mary has a priority doesn't she there's jesus i want him and Martha's priority is, I'm too busy for that. I got things to do. She needs to help. Jesus said, you're worried and upset about many things. I think there are many things that worry and upset us. I think a lot of things that worry and upset us, we cause ourselves. Our schedules are too full. We don't prioritize the right things. We don't put first things first. 
We think that, oh, I'll get to them eventually, and they're so special that I'll just set them aside on a special time and day, but we'll never get to that, right? Well, how many of you have that little coin in your pocket, the round to it? You have one of those? I'll get around to it eventually. But it's distractions. It shouldn't be distractions. I'm not saying getting ready for a guest like Jesus is not important. I'm saying once he's there, that's the priority. Distractions. More than ever, today, our distractions come and bombard us all day long from the internet. And, and, and nothing has sped up the internet, access to our lives and to our mind, more than what? My precious. We are bombarded. We are bombarded day in and day out with a constant barrage of information telling us it's truth or telling us we need it. I, I want to pause for a minute. We're going to watch a video in a second, but I, I, I want to pause and I re- want to read some quotes from that book I was telling you about. Um, and and it, it was quotes that really stirred in my heart and really have convicted me. Uh, today, you are far more likely to run into the enemy in the form of an alert on your phone while you're, uh, while you're reading your Bible, right? Or, uh, or a multi-day Netflix binge or a, uh, or a full-on dopamine addiction to Instagram. Like, th- that's what's coming in. That's, that's where the enemy is getting us. I- I'll be honest, I don't know who I told. Maybe Jenny, you came in the office. <clears throat> I was working on my sermon in my office. I'm like, oh, that's a good verse. I need to look that up. And I have commentaries all over and books and Bibles and Bible gateway open on my computer, but it's really nice to use Blue Letter Bible. I love Blue Letter Bible. My thumb does not understand what I want it to do. So I reached for my cell phone because that's where my Blue Letter, blue letter Bible is. And I, I click it and I open it up. And wh- where do I click? I click a blue app, but it wasn't Blue Letter app, Blue Letter Bible. It was right above Blue Letter Bible. It says Facebook. I'm like, oh, Facebook. I did, actually, I just opened it. And I'm looking, I'm like, and I start, what do I do? My thumb just starts doing this. I came here looking for a Bible verse. Satan said, you're welcome. And I, I'm like, what? And it, yeah, I don't know, 30 seconds, 30 minutes later, I don't know what it was. I, I realized, what am I doing? I, Bible verse, Bible, sermon, get on this, right? It, we are so easily distracted. So easily distracted. People are, are too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. And we're too distracted with our phones and all of it that's tell, it's telling us to do. Uh, there was a survey done in a, in, a, in a study at a university, and the premise was this. This is what, what the, uh, the author of this study said. In many cases, that one, Christians are assimilating uh, to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to two, God becoming more marginalized as Christian, or in Christians' lives. Get that? Like we, we spend too much time in other places and God becomes marginalized, uh, which leads to three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting worldly assumptions about how to live, which leads to five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and the cycle just starts over again. I, I, I just, I, I want to encourage you. I share my own stories and my own struggles because it's, it's real. And I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to limit that and how to stop it and how to not 
be a slave to, a, to an app on a phone. It's very difficult, isn't it? And I'm not, I'm not even questioning most of your priorities. I think some of you have priorities that aren't right, but I think most of us in here would say, we, our desire is to love the Lord. Our desire is to grow in Him and to, to know Him and to look more like Him wherever we go. That's our desire. And I, I go to my Bible app to read my, and I don't even end up there. I desire to, but I, I got distracted. Way too many times. Way too many times. I find it hard at times to, to do a daily devotional time in the Word because of busyness in life. And, and, and I'm, I am full of information that came in. At the, by the end of the day, my, my brain's about to explode from all the sources of information. But it seems like it didn't really, it wasn't a really intentional time with God in the Word. It was the stuff that just happened to come by. <clears throat> Another quote in here. What the internet seems to be doing is chipping away our capacity for concentration and contemplation. Like real conversations, right? Whether I'm online or not, my mind now ex uh, expects to take information the way the net distributes it. That's how my, I'm ready to go, right? I just go, scroll through my feed and I got, the, I got the highlights. Once I was a scuba diver in a sea of words, now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. Missing everything that's really has any depth. And the smartphone, right? Put that right in front of us, right? We have the smartphone now. It's all over. A recent study, going to blow your mind. You ready? Ready? A recent study found that the average iPhone user, let's just say smartphone user, touches his or her phone 2,617 times per day. That's the average smartphone user. Who in here doesn't have a smartphone. Raise your hand if you do not have a smartphone. And you look so happy. I mean, I want to be with you, right? Good. Yeah, I don't have one either, right? Freedom! And Ross, you can still text. It's okay. 2,600 times a day. Each user on his, in his or her own phone, uh, they use it for, up, the average is two and a half hours over 76 sessions. So you touch it 2,600 times, you open it and use it on average 76 sessions and spend over two hours a day on it. And, and by the way, that is, you know that that's low. You know that that's low. That, in, in millennials, the study, of, just looking at millennials, younger people, it was double that. Double that. I, it, it, there's not even, you, you know this, you can go on your phone and it'll tell you how much time you spend on each app that day. I think most of us don't have a clue how much time we spend on our phone. And you don't want to. Like, I, 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 I know that, Brandon. I know that. I'm not going to look. I, it's, we have to. Because we're being fed information. And who's, who is it that declares that what is true? God does. The information I'm getting fed is not from God on my phone most of the time. Sometimes it's a great email. Sometimes it's a great app. Sometimes it's a, it's a devotional. But more often than not, I get lost on my way to Blue Letter Bible. I get lost. You get lost? I get lost. Another part of this. We need to understand something about our phone. We, we would say, well, I have control. I, I own that phone. It, it does what I want it to do. Huh, you're funny. Here's the truth. Your phone doesn't actually work for you. You pay for it Yes, but it works for a, your phone 
works for a multi-billion dollar corporation in California, right? Not for you. You are the customer. You are the, you're the product. It's your attention that is for sale along with your peace of mind. They know how to give us a dopamine hit. They know how to keep us addicted to our phones. And, and surveys would say, and psychologists would say this, uh, they, they would say that the vast majority of Americans are at the point that they have a compulsion. That's kind of nice, isn't it, to say that? I would argue, and, and the author here argues, that it's more closely defined. Most of us are actually to full-on addiction. Most of us are on full-on addiction. You're like, no, I'm not. I'll prove it. Set your phone down when you get home, 24 hours. Set it aside. Turn it off. Put it in your sock drawer at the bottom, very bottom. Set it aside. And you tell me, by the end of 24 hours, that you aren't addicted. I would say start it in the morning because you know, part of that time is sleeping if you do it today. So do it today and go all through tomorrow. You are going to have cold sweats. You're going to be like, I might have a notification. They know that. They know that your notifications, that's a dopamine hit, right? I'll post something and they'll like it. And I'll like the like, so I'll post something else. It just keeps on going. All the while, blue letter Bible sitting over there. Your Bible sitting on the shelf like, I want you to read me. God's like, I declare truth. And we go into this pit of, I, who's God? What were my priorities? You ever feel that way? I feel that way. It's not, a, it's not a fun feeling to be distracted. So the deception when it comes to truth is distraction. And that's for believers in Christ, and that's for people who don't believe in Christ. We're just distracted. And all this while, there's a battle for our soul. Satan is, Satan's like, I want to take you away from truth. And God's like, I am the one who declares truth. I am truth in Jesus, right? Here's my word. It's beautiful. It's true. We're distracted. Briefly, a couple other things about this deception. Romans 1 tells us that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So not only are we distracted, but there's, there's a self-righteousness within us that says, my way is best, and it leads to worthless thinking and embracing of things that aren't true. Uh, it goes on, it says, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. I believe that verse is the exact progression of what happens when we're distracted with our phone. Think, read this in that thought. Although they knew God, I knew God. I love God. I have a priority for Jesus. I want to hear from his word. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Like my heart was not thankful just to him because I, I felt like I could get a dopamine hit somewhere else. So instead, my thinking became worthless because I was barraged by other thinking, other truth, which isn't truth at all, other information outside of God, my, my, my thinking became worthless and my senseless heart was darkened. That's what happens. And it comes from wanting to stimulate the desire for my own selfish things. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles in your neighbor at Cancun. Self-righteous, worthless thinking. That's, that's a deception. And then it, it leads to the final part of this deception is, I want to be told what I want to hear. I go to places that will tell me what I want to hear. I hate that about when I go look at news. It's like one-sided all the time or one-sided. It's like, can we not get a fair balance of what's going on here? No. Second Timothy, he says this. A time, Paul says, a time will come 
when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. There's an unwillingness to hear. I don't want to hear it. But according to their own desires, what I feel comfortable with, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. That's, that's what we do, don't we? When I want to be right, I find someone that tells me, you're right, Brandon, and I feel good. But who is it that declares truth? God declares truth. Not some person I bring into my life to declare the truth I want. What's the depravity? It says they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. That's the depravity. Now, going into the depravity, a few verses here. They're going to criticize truth. Right? Second Peter, it says, uh, they were, there were indeed false prophets among them, um, false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies. Like, untrue things. Like, we want to shake it up here. Uh, even denying the master, the Lord Jesus, who, who, brought, who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their own depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned or criticized because of them. Uh, truth, who knows truth? You can't have truth. You know, let's just do what feels right. Um, and then, after they criticize truth, they will exploit you in their greed and made-up stories. I'll make up a story. I'll make up a truth just to exploit you so I feel better about myself. This is what's happening all around the world. We're abandoning truth and we're exchanging truth for a lie. And then we manipulate. James says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? That sounds like, like who knows the truth? Who follows the truth, Right? If, if you are, by your conduct, you should show that your works are done with gentleness that comes from that wisdom. Like there's a, a humility in my life because I've followed the truth. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition, this is the depravity. If it's in your heart, and don't boast and deny the truth. Because such wisdom, and what he says, such wisdom, the wisdom of having uh, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Selfish ambition manipulation, saying what I, I want to say and, and finding people that want uh, that will, will reinforce that, that's coming from Satan. For where there's envy and selfish ambition, there's disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above, the truth, right, is pure, peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without pretense. That should be what, what was modeled in our hearts, in our lives. But that's not what happens. People be, begin to be manipulated uh, because, because truth becomes, or my truth, becomes a means to an end. And people become a means to an end. And what is that end? I want my truth. I want it my way. And I don't want to hear any other way that's out there. It goes on. How, how it can, the depravity goes on. So you criticize truth. It's not true. You, you begin to manipulate people. And, and people in that manipulation becomes, and that selfishness becomes a means to an end, which is I want my truth and my stance no matter what. And then finally, there's this raging, hard-hearted heart that we, we have and we see. I'm going to read a quick story out of Acts chapter 7. Stephen, the, the deacon, the, the deacon in, in the book of Acts, he's preaching the gospel. He says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised uh, hearts and ears. You're always resisting the Holy Spirit, right? We resist. Uh, As your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one. So those prophets who came and said, hey, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, they killed him. Whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels, and yet 
you have not kept it. God's truth has been declared to them, but they've exchanged it for a lie. And, and, and Stephen was pointing this out. When they heard these things, they were enraged. This is the depravity. When we, when we don't go to biblical truth and don't look at God's design that He declares through Christ Jesus and His Word, this is what happens when someone comes with the truth. They heard these things, they were enraged, and na- they were gnashing their teeth at Him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Again, testifying to the truth of who God is and who His Son, Jesus Christ, is. This is the part I want you to get. And I don't think we we do this because we don't throw tantrums. We're adults. But you do in your mind and your heart. And I do. What was their response? They yelled at the top of their voices, They covered their ears and together rushed out against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Seems like mature truth seekers there, huh? No, it's not. That's the depravity. Again, murderous intentions against anything that would tell me I'm wrong. Shouldn't we be submissive and subjective to God Almighty? Absolutely, we should. Shouldn't we seek and ask God, what do you think? What, what is right and what is true in your eyes? Instead, we look for people who will tell us what we want to hear. And we're bombarded with information to make our own decisions. And we, we just say, that's the truth. And we ridicule and persecute and push aside anything that is actually true. But what's the deliverance? What's the deliverance? Number four, what does it look like? Uh, before we do that, I, I want us to show... This quick video clip, I, uh, my uncle actually sent this to me. It didn't have a clue what I was teaching about, and I'm like, oh, this is so good. And I, I was like, I could do this, but this pastor does it way better. So let's check, check this video clip out. What would happen if you carried around a real Bible everywhere you went, just like your phone? What if you, like your phone, what if you flipped through the Bible over and over throughout the day? What, what would happen if you read your Bible as much or more than you read your phone? What would happen if you left your house in the morning and you forgot your Bible? Turn around and make sure, because you feel like a weirdo without your phone. Uh, Wouldn't it be great if you had that same, oh, I left my Bible at home. Um, And what if you received messages from your paper Bible? Messages from who? (laughs) Um, What if you couldn't live without it? What if uh, during an emergency, it's the first place you turn? Um, and, and, And you know what's even better about this Bible, this analog Bible, is you never get disconnected. And you don't have to pay the bill. The bill's already been paid in full. I mean, your Bible is so much better than your phone. And yet, people don't care about the Bible much anymore. Yeah, thank you. I, I saw that. I don't see you, though. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Um, when I saw that, when I saw that, uh, that video, I'm like, that, that's perfect, right? It's kind of funny and it's a quip. It's like, oh, it'd be kind of dorky to be doing that, but would it really? Wouldn't it be great if we actually thumbed through this more than we thumbed through our, our cell phone? Wouldn't if we needed a, a, a help with a problem in our life, we just said, I, I've got the answer. It's here, the Word of God, instead of going to YouTube first. Like, it's, it's so true, right? It, it, wouldn't it be... More, better to be more concerned if you left home without your Bible than if you left home without your smartphone. It's so important. And, and 
The world said, it's not that big of a deal. It's okay. What they want you to think is, it's not that big of a deal. It's okay. And we buy into that all the time. I would would make a couple suggestions to you. Stop using, for a time being, until you can get some control, stop using your cell phone for your Bible. I know, after I've, I've gone, and it wasn't the first time this happened to me when I went to, for, for Blue Letter Bible and I found myself somewhere else. I need to stop. I have plenty of real Bibles around. I would, I would encourage you to Sabbath from your phone and from smart devices more often. I would encourage you also to set some priorities up in your life and say, what are my priorities? Because I guarantee you, checking your Instagram notifications is not one of those highest priorities in your life. It's a want and a desire maybe for some of you. It is not one of those like this. If, if I had only five hours today, what would I accomplish priority? So many things are going left unfinished and unaccomplished, right? Whether it's in your home and just as a steward of, your, of what God has given you or whether it's in your relationships with people or, or in the education and rearing of your children, all of that is going to hell because they are bombarding us with lies and, and, and addicting us to them. It is God who declares what is right. And you will find rest when you go to Him. You will not find rest in the world because they will continually bombard you with more and more unrest. So what is the deliverance? Last, last three verses. Deuteronomy 6. Listen, Israel. Love the Lord your God or the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I think that's our our desire, right? You say, I want to do that. I want Jesus. He's the best. And it goes on and says, these words that I'm giving you today, these words that I have given to you right here, they are to be in your heart. Repeat them. Not just once. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your city gates. You know, you know what's in the place of those places right now? Our smartphone. It's in our heart. We, re- we repeat it and talk about it and we share and text all these things. We talk about our phone when we sit down in our house, when we walk along the road. Literally, continually all the time, see people walking along the road like this. Sure, you've seen me, I don't know. When you lie down, when you get up, right? What do we do? Check my phone. Here's a a good tip. Use a different alarm, one of those old school alarms, for your your wake-up call and not your phone. Put your phone up on your dresser or somewhere away at night, when you're going to lay down, have it away from you, and use an old-fashioned alarm. So it's not the temptation. It's not the first thing that you check. It's not my intention to check my, my Instagram or my Facebook or my email in the morning. It's not my intention. I don't want to do that. I want to get up and wake my kids up and say, I love you, and b- make them breakfast. Man, those notifications are right there when I look at my time on my alarm. We... Uh, we, we talk about them, or, or so your phone is there when you lie down, when you get up. Um, it's there on, in, in your hand all the time as a symbol on your forehead. Is it right? It's on your doorpost of your house. On your, it, everywhere, we're constantly bombarded. The deliverance is exchange that. Exchange the lie for the truth. 
We've exchanged the truth of God for a lie, now exchanged the lie for the truth. First Timothy, Paul says, have nothing to do. Have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. I am going to tell you, the, whatever the new thing is, is it called the reel? Is that what it's called, the reels? Where it's like a, a short video and then a short video and then a short video and a short video. And you know what those are? Pointless, silly myths. You know what they, they're, they're dumb. They might be entertaining and they count on that. But they, they, your thumb will be like Popeye's thumb here soon. We've got to stop. Your TikToks and your WhatsApps and your, your Facebook and your Instagrams and your Twitter or X, whatever they call it now, like, you, it, it's got to stop. There's, there's, there's a, a reason to go, and then there's hundreds and thousands of reasons to not. Have nothing to do with pointless, silly myths. If you find what you're doing on your phone or your iPad or your computer is pointless and silly, have nothing to do with pointless, silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in godliness. Probably not found on Twitter. In the Word of God. Go there. For training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in everywhere, every way, since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. This, is, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason we labor, or labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is Savior of all people. That's our hope, is in Jesus Christ, not in a reel on Instagram. So love God and his word. Train yourself in godliness. Have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. And, and then be blessed by him. Turn with me to Psalm 1. Our last passage for the day. Psalm chapter 1. It's a beatitude. Really? Psalm chapter 1. I hope you hear my heart today. I hope you hear that I am struggling with this. I, I had a young lady come up to me between, or between Sunday school and, and church, in our church, Elizabeth, and she said, I, I lost my cell phone this week, and it's been hard, but it's been so good to not have it around. Like, like there's been so much joy now in different areas. Great testimony. I, I struggle with this, right? Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in, this, in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Listen, when we, when we plant ourselves not in disinformation and misinformation and lies and, and things we want to hear and and endless, endless scrolling through Instagram and all this information coming in, when we decide not to plant ourselves there, it will go well for us. Happy is the one who does not do that because your delight will be in the Lord's instruction. Your heart will say, God, what do you declare as right? And I want more of that truth in my life. It's, it's a tough thing to do. Application, I've kind of started this a little bit already. Here's the application for today. Here's what I want you to do today when you go home. Throw your phone in the garbage. 
Right? Seriously, there are times like I, I am so tempted, so tempted to go get one of those little flip phones, right? Better anyway, it's like the Star Trek communicator. I like, but I, I just want a flip phone that doesn't do anything except for text or call. Ex- here, here's your application. Exchange the lies and the distraction for the truth of God's word. And so here's how you do that. I want you to actually write down priorities that are yours or your family's. Like if actually time spent in God's word as nourishment to your soul is a priority, then write that down and indicate how much time I should spend doing that. If time together, one-on-one with your spouse, uninterrupted with electronic devices and screens on your forehead, if that's important to you, then write that down. It should be, by the way. Write it down and make that a priority. See how much time is needed there. Family, with your children, right? If, if you're single, in community with other believers, it is so, this is, this is probably harder for you. Like, I, I feel the strain because I'm with other people and they're like needing my attention. If you're at home, what does Satan like to do? Isolate. And if you're a single person who loves Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're not alone. He's there with you. But it feels alone at times. And what does Satan do to comfort you? He gives you your smartphone. And he lulls you into oblivion out of any relationship, out of any fellowship, out of any accountability, out of any growth in, in the Spirit. That's what he wants to do. So you've got to be intentional. There's Wednesday night Bible study. You come, you call somebody in the church, say, I need to talk, I need to visit, I need to go out and go out and get some fresh air and get away from my distractions. Would you come, would you pray for me? Would you study the Bible with me? Make those things priorities. How are you doing at stewarding what God has given you in your finances, in your home, and in, in the things in your home? You know what it's done? Amazon is on my phone. I feel sorry. I, it's become more of a reality. If you would watch UPS delivery guys, FedEx guys, even the mail lady, the poor mail lady, is bringing like every house has this, and she sets it down outside your porch, and someone comes by and steals it, or maybe, I don't know. But that, that it's, it's, do we really need that? We didn't know we needed that until we opened our smartphone. And now Facebook and Instagram are in coots with Amazon, and it's like, oh, oh, Amazon. Oh, that looks cool. Oh, that looks cool. I need, I need one of those. I never needed it before I saw that. Never needed it. I bought it. It's still in the packaging. Like, is there a priority that you can have in your home to say, let's steward what we have and not just acquire more junk? Because that's exchanging the truth of God for a lie and for idols, right? Write down the priorities and exchange the lies and the distractions for those priorities that are godly priorities. Finally, the other one is this, and I think there are some restrictions you need to have within those priorities. You need to have some some actual restrictions and control your actual phone. You control it. And figure out what that means. You can Google best ways to get over my phone addiction. And probably have tons of ideas for you. Follow some. Oh, yeah. You're just using the phone again to Google. We'll try to send an email out this week to you. Let you know, we'll, we'll do the Googling. Just throw in the garbage. Back to number one, right? Last part of this, as far as application goes. Desire to live blessed and at rest in Christ and through his word. I have, over all of this, God's like, I have something better. It's Jesus. Every single time. It's Jesus. 
And we are exchanging Jesus for junk 24-7. Let's stop. Let's go to the Lord for truth. Let's rest in him. Let's take a break from the information that's bombarding us that is just causing confusion or distraction from our Lord Jesus because he is better. Amen? Let's stand together as we continue in worship. Our worship team is going to come back up. Our children will come back in and join us. And let's, uh, let's pray together. Before we pray, I, there's one other thought I had. You know, it's like the, the iPhone or the, the phone is like the new watch, right? It's get, then get a watch that's not a smartphone. I, I, I struggle with this. That's another thing I struggle with. I'm like, I don't want to be attached to my phone. I'm like, I, I want to watch. So what did I think right off the top of my head? What was I going to do? I need a smartwatch. That'll help me with my addiction to my phone. Not me, for sure. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, um, we, we desperately need more of you. There's so much information bombarding us, God, and we're so distracted so easily. God, help us exchange those distractions and those lies for the truth. The truth is Jesus. The truth is the Word of God. The truth is that there is blessing and reward when we, when we plant ourselves there. God, help us as we, as we go and have conversations even today to reprioritize what's important in our lives, that we would see Jesus. He was given to us as the way, the truth, and the life, the salvation. It's a real life, abundant life. God, we are dead in our sins, but Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, has offered a way for us to be alive through faith in him. He, he is the greatest treasure we could ever have, and the truth is that there's no hope outside of him. God, help us abandon everything else that we look to as hope and help us run to him over and over again. God, you'll never disappoint us. We thank you for that. God, we offer this time now just to praise you. God, remind us during this time of how great you are, how much we need you. We pray in Jesus' name.